Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know you could shop around for prescription prices? With GoodRx, you can find free coupons at over 70,000 pharmacies and save up to 80%. It's that easy. But don't just take my word for it. Dr. Adam says, I've been telling all my patients about GoodRx. Jacqueline says, my medication was $65 without insurance, but I paid $25. Aubriana says, you don't have to pay full price to live your best life. Couldn't have said it better myself. GoodRx is 100% free. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance. She's had to be strong for so long. Sorry, that's my doorbell. (laughs) (laughs) My excitement is through the roof right now because I'm a huge fan of Umbrella Academy. And look who I have with me here today. It is Emmy Raver Lampman. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing all right. You know, these are crazy times, but um, all things considered, I'm, I'm doing okay. Yes, you're you're bringing the people the content they need right now. <laughs> Hopefully I can entertain you with a cat cameo at some point so you don't think oh, my computer yeah. is just shaking for no reason right now. <laughs> um, so on Collider Ladies Night, we always go back to yeah. the beginning and hear about some early inspirations. So I love to start with the question, what was the, it could be a performance, a movie, a show, musical, you name it, that made you first say, I have to be an actor? Um. You know, it's so funny because I, 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 I still don't know that I've ever had that chat with myself. <laughs> I still don't think I've ever, um, I think I've, I've, I always kind of come from a place of, of, and I kind of was raised to kind of just follow my gut and follow my heart and, and kind of do the things that make me happy and, 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 um, I think will fill me and, 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 you know, artistically, but also just my, my soul and feed my soul. Um, and so, you know, I, I grew up in a really musical house and, and I played a lot of sports and I did like community theater and, um, and so, and I traveled up to New York a lot with my parents, um, around Thanksgiving, um, almost every year, um, my entire childhood, um, to see, to see Broadway shows and, and to, um, to just, you know, uh, just be in New York and, 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 you know, it's such a melting pot of cultures and, and people. And, um, and so, yeah, I think my parents love New York and they always just wanted me to have that experience. And so I think, you know, when I made the decision to go to college, it was obvious, you know, I, I was in a performing arts high school. Um, but you know, I, the, the obvious and next step would be to go to a a college that was a you know had a musical theater program or an acting program um but I think my only concern was that it had to be in New York I just it was it was it wasn't like I'm I need to go to New York and I need my name in lights and I want to be on Broadway and I need to accept an Tony accept a Tony award by the time I'm 25 it was just like yeah I'll go to college because my parents are making me because they're both educators and so like it wasn't an option but I was definitely like yeah but if I'm gonna go to school it has to be in New York because I just want to be in New York City um and so that's kind of when I think about like moving to New York and, and kind of making the decision to, to go to school for theater. It, it actually was more about like location for me and wanting to be kind of just 
in New York and in that energy and, 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 you know, get those, you know, experiences. Um, but I do think a performance that stuck out for me the most as a kid going up to New York was Ragtime, 110%. Um, and I saw the original cast in previews. I saw Audrey McDonald and Brian Stokes Mitchell. And, and it just, you know, I think that was kind of the first time I had seen a show where people like that looked like me were on stage. And I think I was just completely captivated and, um, and, and, and not only on stage, but, you know, because obviously I had seen shows with, with black people and people of color, but I think, you know, they were the leads of the show and they carry the emotional weight and, and the story is just so heart wrenching and, 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 and emotional. And, um, so yeah, that definitely at a really young age was a, a show and, and, you know, artists that I just was like, whoa, I didn't even know that that was possible. This is crazy. <laughs> so you've got the drive and the interest there. It sounds like you have your parents support, too. You get to go to school. But there's a very big difference between saying, you know, I want to go down that path. I want to live that dream. And then really believing that it could be an actual career for you. So what yeah. was, I don't know, the person you met, the gig you got, anything at all that made you say, hey, this could be the real deal for me. Yeah, you know, I think I had um, the head of the musical theater, uh, musical theater department, excuse me, at um, Marymount Manhattan College, where I ended up going to school, um, is an amazing woman named Pat Simon. And like from my freshman year, she just was like, I see you and I see your potential. And I and and she kind of always was there to kind of keep me on track. Um, and, you know, because I, 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 I wouldn't call myself a rule breaker but you know <laughs> freshman in college you know you're 19 years old you just moved to new york city and like going to class was not necessarily high on my list of priorities um and so you know even though it was you know dancing and, and singing and acting and and you know set design and i was taking all these classes that were things that i was interested in you know i was i was also interested in just like being in New York without my parents. <laughs> um, You're talking to an NYU student. I went through the yeah, same thing. See, so, you know, but she was kind of always there to kind of keep me on track. And, 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 you know, when I, when I, you know, there was an opportunity that like, I, I either didn't see or just didn't feel like doing, she just would kind of, you know, just give me a call and be like, Hey, I think this is something that you should do. And this is a project that you should audition for. Or she would reach out to me and be like, Hey, I think you need to meet this person. They're doing a masterclass this weekend. You should come. Um, and so, which is exactly how, um, one of the, uh, directors that she had come, um, is a really good friend of mine now. His name is Tom Wachunik and he directed our main stage at school. And then that summer he was directing a production of children of Eden. It was during that production that the choreographer, her name was Christine. She was the resident choreographer for the revival of hair that won all the Tonys directed by Diane Paulus and start starring Gavin Creel and, and, you know, some of my now closest friends. And she was like, Hey, we're auditioning for the first national tour of hair. Um, I think you should audition. And, you know, at that point I was, I was, uh, it was between my, it was between my sophomore and junior year. And I was like, I, you know, I'm, I can't leave school to like go on tour. My parents would never let me. And she was like, just audition and see what happens. And so I auditioned and I ended up getting it. And so I actually took a year and a half off of school and I went on tour because Pat Simon is so amazing. And a couple of my other advisors and teachers at Marymount were so wonderful. They helped me figure out a way to take classes on the road. And so I, even though I wasn't physically at school, I, I actually took my junior year on the road. And, and then also like, um, you know, was, was traveling and doing the show at night and, and, you know, sitting in my hotel studying and, and taking, you know, online classes all day. Um, and so, you know, it, it was like with, 
Pat and, and, and Tom and Christine, those are kind of the three people that, because then eventually that production of hair ended up going back to Broadway and that's how I got my Broadway debut. Um, and so that, that kind of crazy chain of events kind of like led to the beginning of my professional career in, in New York. And I had my Broadway debut before I'd even graduated college, which was like insane. You know what I mean? I was a junior in college when I, when I like stepped onto a Broadway stage for the first time. And that was just like, not you know, not expected. It was so just like, how, how did I get here? <laughs> and I still feel like that every day. I'm just like, do they know that they let me in? I don't think they do, <laughs> you know? So, it, um, so yeah, I think those, those three people for sure, especially in New York and especially dealing with, um, and now all of them, you know, are really dear friends of mine. And, and I, I, in interviews like this, I always bring them up because I think when I think back to like, how did I get started on Broadway? It's like, I couldn't have done it without, those three people kind of pushing me and encouraging me and believing in me and kind of providing me with opportunities to kind of sink or swim. And, and, you know, they've just, they've, they're, they're a huge part of that. I do always love hearing about support systems like that, but mm-hmm. I have to go back to you being a rule breaker really quickly. What, what's an example of like a major rule broken while you were exploring? New York oh God. City? I mean, you know, let me preface this again. 19 <laughs> years old, no parent, babysitter's gone, no parents in sight. Um, you know, we like a part of the program at Marymount is, you know, we have daily dance. We have dance classes every morning starting at 8 a.m. Um, and, you know, it, it, they weren't they, they were required, but they didn't affect your grade. And so for the and it was kind of eventually they changed that. But for my freshman year, it was kind of a new part of the program of adding daily dance, not just having like a couple classes every every couple of days, it was like every morning we had dance classes and that was, it was kind of new when I started there. Um, and so they weren't a part, they couldn't affect your grade, but they were required. Um, and so, you know, just out in New York running, running amok in the streets and then, you know, you know, New York never, never closes. New York never ends. It's like, I love it. Never stop. It doesn't. And so I think it was, you know, me rolling into the dorms at 4am and just like crashing and then like waking up at 10 being like, well, missed my dance class this morning, but that's not going to affect my grade. And then, you know, and then that was Pat after I'd done that, you know, too many times, Pat would be like, really though? <laughs> oh, really? That. Yeah. Had yeah. Uh, not for dance class, but had one too many nights like that myself. <laughs> Before I even uh, go too far here, I was curious, what would you say is the biggest difference for you as a performer between uh, doing a, a traveling show versus one that's situated in a fixed location? Do you have a preference between one or the other? Oh, uh, it's funny. The preference has come with age. (laughs) I think, I think when I was still in college and when I was, was younger, um, I, I, I grew up traveling a lot with my parents and like my whole life, um, and, and have traveled all over this planet. And it's, it's like one of my favorite hobbies and pastimes. Um, and so I loved being on the road. I loved living out of a suitcase and, and, and staying in hotels and, and traveling to cities I've never been to before. And, and I loved that. And then I think the older I got, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's, you kind of, you start to want to like, like set roots down. Um, and so, you know, you always end up going back to New York, but then like, you have to kind of uproot everything, put all your stuff in storage, go back out on the road for a year and a half or, or however long it is. Um, and, and, you know, I did that for the whole front half of my career in New York was, was I was on tour with, with hair and with Jekyll and Hyde and with wicked, you know, I think I just started to get older and it just was like, 
okay. They're like living out of a suitcase, not knowing where any of my stuff is. And, 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 you know, and mostly just like missing my family. Like you miss a lot when you're on the road because you're just, you're nowhere near your family. And so, you know, I think, it, you know, I think that just starts to kind of your priority shift when you get older. And so I think, you know, being in New York and being, being on Broadway and kind of being able to set down some sort of roots is uh, starts to become really appealing. Um, and also, you know, it's just like <laughs> your knees are better when you're younger and your backpack isn't as heavy when you're younger. <laughs> and, you know, the, a, a five hour plane ride doesn't affect you the way it does when you're 20 when it does when you're 30 you know it's just like it's a different <laughs> it's um it's it's uh you know it's i think age has a lot to do with it but i think i've i've loved them both i think now obviously my preference is to to kind of sit and be in a theater and stay there um but you know i i i some of my best memories and some of my best friends i have on this planet i met one of them is from hair and one of them is is from jekyll and hyde and we toured this country together so i think there's just a bond that forms when you have to you know you have to go through that. You're like living in a hotel and you in cities where you don't know anybody. And so you get really close to your cast members in a way that you don't in New York because everybody has their separate lives and they like go to the theater at night, do the show and then like go on about their days. Whereas like when you're on tour, it's like, I just have these people because I don't know anybody in Albuquerque, New Mexico, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess it's like the difference between uh, working on location while you're shooting a show or a movie versus uh, something in like a studio in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I have to ask you about Hamilton. I'm sure you get asked about it all the time, but I am a new fan because I wouldn't let myself listen to anything until I could see the show in fall. And thankfully that happened because of Disney Plus. Right. When you first auditioned for the show, was it just any old audition to you at that point? Or did you know that, I don't know, it could go on to become a phenomenon? Um, To be completely honest, I almost didn't audition because on paper it sounded like ridiculous. <laughs> I was like a a contemporary musical involving like pop R&B hip hop and rap music about the f- like the founding fathers of our country and like the the like beginnings of our financial system. I just was like who would see that? <laughs> and I think everybody, we all felt that way. And so I, I had just come back from being on tour with Wicked. And I think this was a moment for me where I was like, well, here's an opportunity for a thing that's going to Broadway and I can like sit down and start laying some roots. So that was really appealing to me. But as much as I didn't understand it, I was also really intrigued by it because obviously it's Lynn and, and Tommy mm-hmm. and, and Andy and it's the whole In the Heights crew. And, and they just, you know, their, their work is amazing and speaks for itself. And so I was obviously the opportunity to work with that group um, was really enticing. And um, the audition process was not, it was quick because, um, you know, they had previously been at the public for three months and after the public, they added four ensemble tracks. Um, And so I was one of those tracks. And so they had a couple weeks before they started rehearsals for Broadway where they needed to cast these new, these new ensemble members. Um, And so that's was one of the tracks that I was going in for. Um, And yeah, I think it, um, it, it was it was quick because I think I had I was given I was sent the material by my agents and I think I had 24 hours and in 24 hours I had to learn um, helpless satisfied say no to this and I think and and burn and like 
in 24 hours, I had to learn how to rap. I had to memorize all this music that I'd never heard before. And I think the best part about it, and I, I think it is in a Dropbox somewhere on some computer that I have, but there was no recordings. There wasn't the album. There was nothing to, I was literally having to like, look at this stuff and figure out it just, it was, it was like music. I'd never, I'd never learned music like that before. Um, and so they also sent along MP3s of Lynn playing and singing the songs. And it is some of the best content there is. <laughs> and I, um, and I, it, it's, he's, he, I like, he always is, is just like so committed singing full out. The emotion is there. And it's just like Lynn singing burn. <laughs> it's just like so good. Um, and I just, I can't find them. And I really wish I could, they probably pulled them because they just were like, these can never get out. But, um, I don't know how I crammed all that information into my brain, but I also think I instantly connected with the material and the way that people have all all over the world and the reason it's become such a phenomenon and, and it's there's just like something everyone can connect to it and so I think I think I had that same reaction when I was learning the material I, it just like as hard as it was I couldn't help but continue to just like devour it I just was like oh my god I want more like what I thought this was going to be weird but this is like these songs are freaking amazing so yeah you think I would have been ready for it after hearing about it for so many years, but no, it just like, like the whole thing, yeah. like a truck. And I don't it think really it really does of doing anything for a couple of days after, except listening to <laughs> about it. Yeah, it definitely, <laughs> I think that's the best way to watch it the first time is like going in cold, knowing nothing. And then I think, and then you have to like scale it back again and yeah. like, rewatch it again and listen to it again because it's, there's just so much going on and the orchestrations and the there's so many easter eggs and there's so many you know tributes to different you know musicians and and rappers and and this it's so stylized and then there's just a, there's also a lot of information you know yeah. what i mean the biggest thing is that like our show came out and so many people were like who wants to watch a musical about a dead president it's like hamilton was never president you know what I mean? so it's like you know what i mean even that in itself is like that just shows you know there's just so much in it to, to learn that you know we don't really know that we're not taught yeah i'm not going to repeat some of the stuff that my friends and family after we watched it together they're like huh did that really happen i'm like yes it did <laughs> did you read a textbook mm -hmm. um, yeah 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 other than lynn because we know he is a wonderful influence on this whole show is there any member of the cast that just really surprised you whether it was what they did with their role when they were on stage or maybe even just how they carried themselves amongst the team Oh man. I mean, that's, we're talking about my family now. <laughs> like these are, these are, and that's, I mean, it's not even an exaggeration, you know, living through that first year on Broadway and with that show and like everything that happened and, and the people that came to see the show and the opportunities that we were given, you know, meeting the Obamas on multiple occasions and meeting Prince. And, you know, it's just like, it it is insane. And I think we, we went through the trenches together because like, as, as, as amazing as it was and what it felt like it was on the outside. It was also at the end of the day, we were doing eight shows a week of really, really grueling stuff physically. Like the ensemble were on stage the entire, I mean, you've seen it. We don't leave the stage. We're moving furniture. We're, we're, we're swirling guns. We're doing a bazillion costume changes. We're singing backup vocals. It's just, it is nonstop and it, it's exhausting. And, and, and a lot of our days off were, were taken away for these unbelievable opportunities that we were given. And, and we were all really tired, <laughs> but, um, but knew that it just was, we were, this thing was something so special and, and so different and, and, and was kind of 
turning into this phenomenon, like right in front of our eyes. But I definitely think we were living in a moment where we felt like the cart had very much gotten away from the horse. Like we just were like this runaway train and we were just trying to like keep up with it. Um, and, and it was just an experience that none of us have ever, we've, none of us have ever, or, and might not ever experience again. It just is, it's insane. And I think, um, it's, it's really hard. I mean, you know, Jonathan Groff is a really good friend of mine. The couple moments that I had off stage, like his dressing room was like right in the wings. And so we, we like actually spent a lot of time together during the show and got really, really close. And he's just like, I mean, I think everybody already knows this, but he's just like a dream of a human. Um, and I just, I just respect him so much and, and adore him so much. And I'm so grateful for his friendship. And I think, um, you know, and, and I think Jasmine Cephas Jones has become one of my closest friends and sister sisters truly and she's just such such an unbelievable artist and you know her and anthony are dating and so like we we spend a lot of time together and anthony is just like my little brother who i i just who makes me laugh endlessly and i just think what all of them and and i think leslie leslie odom jr the stillness that he brought to burr and the like profound depth that he brought to that role um and watching him do that every night um was just and with and every night it was fully committed no matter what was going on it and he was so present and and you know he was just he, he, such a such a voice for for this family um of actors and and you know he put he put himself on the front lines for some stuff um and 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 to fight for us and for things that we needed and 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 i just i adore him for that because he didn't have to do that and i think um it I have some of the best relationships in my life I have from that show. And, and every, I mean, it's hard for me to pick, you know, it's, it's like, I talk to them every day. I talk to someone from that show every single day and we are all so close and Renee is unbelievable. And, and it's, it's, it's hard. How can I, it's like asking you to pick your favorite, like child. (laughs) I don't know. Cause I already know how special all of them are just like as, as talents. And you can kind of tell over the years, the kind of family you guys created. Um, I do want to go back to what you just said about Leslie though. Cause when, as an outsider, when I look at a production like Hamilton, the biggest of the big, I imagine you guys get every, Everything you needed. So can you give us an example of something mm-hmm. we had a fight for? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's it's um it is it is essentially it is exactly that, like the the cart getting in front of the horse. I think it just was the show was so much harder than all of us thought and 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 took so much um so much more physically from us than than we thought and 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 time wise and and i'm in no way complaining by any means but just you know it's like yes we went to the white house and 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 got to got to meet the obamas and perform for them which is like i still is one of the best days of my life like i I have goosebumps on my legs every time i think about it it's just like that, that i will never forget that for the rest of my life but you know what what happened for that to happen was that we had a full H a week. We traveled on a Sunday night to the white house on our day. Mondays are the day off on Broadway. So that, and then we were at the white house and performed at the white house and we're like doing like things and activities and, and, and performances at the white house all day, Monday. We left the white house at, you know, 10 PM got on the bus, drove through the night back to New York and went straight back into another H a week. So it was like, we didn't have a day off, but also you're like, 
giving out so much energy on your day off because you're meeting the freaking Obamas. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, so it, it was like in moments like that, that I think, you know, just, you know, needing, needing physical therapy and needing, needing, needing like, you know, um, to be taken care of physically to, to continue to do this thing that we all wanted to do and all believed in and, and, and worked really hard for, but it's taxing. It, it takes a toll because our bodies are, our livelihood like physically and you know especially for broadway actors it's it's eight shows a week is the hardest thing i've ever done in my entire life um and it's it is it is broadway performers are athletes they are warriors they are they are they are obviously artists but it takes so much to to for an audience member to sit in a seat and watch a show as if it's happening for the first time it takes a lot. It takes a lot. And I think, it, you know, I think it's just Hamilton was asking for a lot and then more because because of the Grammys mm-hmm. and because of the Tonys and because of, you know, th- all of the, the 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 politicians that were coming and because of all the special performances that were happening, you know, like there was so many performances happening, not just on the stage at 8 p.m. at night. There was like so much other stuff going on recording the album. You know, we're we're having on our day off. We're going into the studio and singing through the show over and over and over and over and over again and then going to do the show at night you know what i mean so it's just like there's a lot it takes a lot to to be to be a broadway broadway performer and it's not for the faint of heart and i think you know i think it just it was a show that demanded more of its actors and more of its performers and so i think leslie was the first person to go to bat to to ask for that from our producers and from the creatives of like hey we love doing the show but we need your help in supporting us so that we can take care of ourselves to do this show that we love and do it well and do it on the level that the show deserves and the level that we want to do it at and the level that of uh, that is a performance that is healthy for us so that you know people aren't getting injured because people were getting injured a lot it's a hard hard show that ensemble is it, it looks like it is a walk in the park and that is exactly why they're athletes and exactly why they're professionals and why exactly why they are the stars that they are but believe me there is nothing easy about being in the ensemble of Hamilton <laughs> there is nothing easy about it <laughs> it really wows me to no end making yeah. our way closer to umbrella now so you have so much success on broadway what is it yeah. for you as an artist that starts to give you that itch to get into film and television now instead? You know, I think um, I think I I had been working in and around Broadway for almost almost a decade. And when I was in Chicago, they were starting the first national tour. And then they asked me to be Angelica on that tour. So I left Chicago um, to go to San Francisco for six months and then LA for six months with the, with the tour um, and playing Angelica, which was amazing and and life-changing in so many ways. But I think um, I put all my stuff in storage in New York, knowing I was, you know, kind of going on tour. It was a little different because our sit downs were, you know, six months and then six months. It was like tour, like it was like it was like a princess tour <laughs> um you know not like one weekers or one nighters it just was like we have six months what a dream i'll do that um and so when we got to la i think la's kind of been on my mind for a while and my my dad's from pasadena and so i've i've spent a lot of time on the west coast um growing up and and i have family really really close and and so i think i I had kind of been feeling LA in my heart and kind of, you know, curious about it and, and also really curious about TV and film. Cause I think that's something that has always intimidated me and always scared me and kind of a medium that I 
did not and still don't understand. <laughs> I'm still learning, you know what I mean? And, um, and so, but you know, we moved to, we came to LA with the show and I, something in me just told me to like get an apartment. And, and so I got, I signed a lease for a year. Cause I, you know, I just was kind of like, okay, well I'll do Hamilton here for six months. And then like, it'll be pilot season when we're done. And so maybe I'll just like spend six months in LA and like, give it a try and, and see what happens. And I think, um, I, I ended up, you know, before I even finished Hamilton, I, I found out about the Umbrella Academy. And like, honestly, everyone asked me, they're like, you know, do you remember your audition for the Umbrella Academy? And, and what was it like? And, and honestly, at that point, I was like, still figuring out how to set up a tripod and like, put things on Dropbox. Like I like didn't even understand that aspect of like a self tape. So I like, I, I read the pilot. I loved it. I loved the humanity of these characters and the family aspect and that they wasn't like superheroes and spandex and we're fighting crime. It was like this really complicated damaged family. That's like working through their traumas. And they also happen to be superheroes. Like I just like kind of loved that about the pilot. And so I, I, you know, put my audition on tape, but just purely was just like, this is just more experience. I'm, you know, I'm new here. Nobody knows who I am. Like I've, I've ne- I have zero things. Like if you look me up on IMDb, it just was like, not even a picture, just a name and an empty space. Like there was nothing. And so, um, I think I just was, I just took it as an opportunity to like get better at doing a self tape. And then four months went by and I didn't hear anything. And then out of the blue, my manager called me and was like, Hey, uh, weird. Just got a uh, call from casting over at, uh, for the umbrella Academy. And they want you to come in tomorrow and, and have a camera test. And I was like, wait, what show? <laughs> you know what I mean? It'd been like four months and it wasn't something that I was like, I never heard anything. I wasn't like fingers crossed for four months. I just like had moved on with my life and completely forgotten about it. Um, and then it just kind of the way it boomeranged back. And so quickly, I just was like, Holy cow. Um, yeah, so it wasn't, it was never really a choice. I think I was just kind of like, like I had said before, I just kind of was like following my gut and following my heart and kind of wanting to really wanting to grow as an actor in, in a new medium, because I, I felt like, especially after Hamilton, I just was like, what do you do after that? <laughs> you know what I mean? I just was like, it's, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, I am. It, I am excited for the next piece of theater that inspires me like that. And, and it undoubtedly will come. And, and, you know, a couple of them have, and, and, you know, I, but I think I just was really kind of feeling like I understand theater. So I think I was craving like artistic growth in a new way, but it was like very unintentional. <laughs> into behind the scenes details. So usually at this point I would harp on all the technical stuff, but yeah, Allison's arc in season two might be my absolute favorite of season two. Yeah. And really just the growth from season one through the second season is something else. So when did you first learn what was going to happen with the character in season two? Did you already know by the time that they yeah. pitched the, the role to you originally? Yeah. So I think I think when we ended you know, I think our Netflix producers were so, were just like so hype on the first season Mm -hmm. that I think, you know, they were already having conversations about a second season and kind of, you know, beginning those talks of like, okay, if we did a second season, like, what would it be about? And where do we go from here? We've like, this season is so good. Like, how are we going to top that? And so I think we all kind of left the first season with like knowing not that we were getting a second season, but knowing that like, if we did Steve, our showrunner was really interested in following the the graphic novels in the sense of like having Dallas be a part of it and the JFK assassination. And so for me, I just was like, great, that's dope. However, you have now cast a black woman as Allison, which is amazing. 
but then you, it, 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 it is impossible for us not to address the fact that if they go back to the sixties, you will be throwing Allison into the segregated South as a black woman. And, and what that, that will shape, if not be her entire storyline for the season of like what that is. And, and that is something that she will not have in common with the rest of her siblings. And that is something that she will be in. She will be alone in that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I think I, I definitely knew. And then when the second season, you know, got announced and, and they started the writer's room and they started writing, you know, it, it, I think the conversation was like, how far are we going to go into this? And how is Allison going to be involved? And how much is she going to be involved? And, and what does that mean? And also like, you know, is she going to have her powers back? And if she does, is she going to use them? Um, and so I, it was a huge, it was a huge conversation. I know for, for the writer's room and, and Steve of, of how, how deep Allison was going to be in the movement. Um, and I think, you know, the couple conversations that him and I had about it in the beginning, I just was like, I think we're doing a huge disservice if we do not take that as an opportunity to like really just have her, you know, ingratiate herself in this movement and 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 become a part of a, a part of it and, and take that as an opportunity um, um, for our show and for this platform that we have. Um, and so, yeah, I think I was I was nervous as hell to, you know, tackle something like the civil rights movement, such a, like a monumental um, period of time for the African-American experience and America in general. Um, but, and I also think, you know, but I was also honored to have that opportunity and to, in and, you know, when I auditioned for the show, never in a million years did I think Allison would be like taking on the civil rights movement, you know what I mean? In any season of the show, it just was not remotely on my mind of like tackling social injustice and, and systemic racism and that being a part of this show. And also, you know, this, you know, Ellen, Ellen through Vanya's character is, is, is coming head to head with, you know, the LGBTQ, um, you know, experience in, of that time, which was still considered illegal and a mental illness. And, you know, we're taking on some really bold and we've always kind of been tackling Klaus and his mental health and, 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 you know, his drug addiction and, and that kind of thing. So I think, you know, it's just, there's some heavy hitting topics this season. And I think, you know, we were all really excited, but all very, 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 you know, um, opinionated on wanting to get it right and, and, and deal with all of these things and depict them only with respect. Yeah. You, you guys definitely kind of run away with doing that. I mean, Allison in particular is just so inspiring how she gets involved in the movement, even though she is well aware that, you know, by 2019, nothing's been solved. And the fact that she still has that choice to commit and see it through is just, I don't know. My heart was going to explode. I'm going no. to put the, the spoiler warning up for season two right now because I wanted to stick with this topic a little more and let you discuss it. Yeah. Further. But I don't know what you know about season three yet, but with everything she does with the civil rights movement in season two, how are you hoping that they kind of hold on to that and let her bring that to a new timeline? Yeah, you know, I think I think the lessons that Allison is taking away um, from this second season are immense. I think she is, we're seeing a really new Allison. We're seeing, we're seeing an Allison that is kind of has like stripped of all of her crutches and her vices. And, 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 you know, she's, she's kind of coming from a place of, 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 of abusing her power and, and using them for selfish reasons and, and is at a, a real low and is riddled with like regret and guilt and kind of looking at a life that outside of her daughter feels 
meaningless and 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 superficial and and so i think the allison that we meet in the second season is is you know she's had to scale it all the way back she's had to she's had to you know she doesn't have her power she doesn't have her family she doesn't have you know the notoriety and the fame and the career and she doesn't know where claire is um and so i think you know, she, because she doesn't have her power, she's had to, she'd had to be observant and she's had to listen and she's had to slow things down and she's had to approach the world in a new way on top of being in the middle of the segregated South, in the middle of this movement. And, and, and I think she's, we're finding her, she's, she's finding this new self-worth that I think is, is really beautiful to kind of watch. And I think for the first time in her life, she's like looking in the mirror and actually like liking that reflection, because I think she knows that everything she has now she's worked for, and she has a community that supports her and has a community that, that loves her and has found a man that loves her without all of the things that made her lovable. Um, and so I think, you know, I think those are huge lessons. And I think the biggest one also is that like, she doesn't need her power to be powerful. And I think that is, I think that is how she has approached everything in her life up until this point that she's like, I'm powerful because I have powers. But I think this season she's learning the power that is in her actual voice and the message that she wants to, to carry and, and pass on and the, and the, the fight that she, the fights that she wants to fight and, and, and the, you know, whatever it is that she wants to take on. I think she's starting to learn that, you know, she doesn't need her powers to do that. And so I think going into a third season, I mean, if we did, it would be amazing to kind of see how that manifests when they're, you know, seemingly back in their normal timeline, if they are. And mm -hmm. I think um, it would be such a disservice to not kind of take the lessons that she's been learning this season and translate that to, to another season. And also, um, you know, and also I think it would be really interesting to watch her and educational and, 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 and informative for her to deal with the traumas of this past season, because it's not really, you know, we don't really see, we, you know, we, in her landing scene, we see her get chased by the men and, and run into the beauty salon and then like kind of start her journey there. But at the end of the day, if you like, if, you know, I think she is, she, for three years, she is in like survival mode. You know what I mean? I think for three years, she is, she is, having to normalize the violence that she's seeing in the street and normalize the whites only signs and normalize these things that, you know, she's coming from a place where those didn't exist. I'm not saying she didn't know about them. And I'm not saying she didn't face prejudice and racism and, and microaggressions. Obviously there's no doubt that she did, but like the level of which they are at in the time that they are in has got to affect her and it is trauma and there's, tr there's going to be trauma there. And so I would love to actually like explore her mental health having mm. essentially lived through these these three years of, of of you know obviously there were beautiful moments and and relationships that she's walking away from with love and and she's kind of this new person but i also think like she's had to be strong for so long sorry that's my doorbell <laughs> i should probably wind down with you i don't even know what to pick oh, of course. um okay i think i'm gonna go with this one the contents of Allison's note to Ray. So again, spoilers, so feel free to talk about it. And we will have a nice big fat warning for anyone who hasn't seen okay. the show. I know that when you watch movies and shows, sometimes current events can wind up enhancing certain themes and ideas. But that note really did feel like it was speaking to everybody in the country right now. So yeah. 
over the course of production or post-production, if, you know, you did like ADR work for something like that, did that speech evolve at all or was it always written that way? Um, it was actually always written that way. I, I, I did ADR for it um, a while ago, like while we were in quarantine, but it was like before George Floyd, it was before this like Black Lives Matter global m- moment that we are in and movement that we are in. Um, but I think that, you know, I think that is the biggest takeaway for me and hopefully for so many viewers this season of just like, we didn't have to rewrite a lot of Allison's storylines to make it current because like systemic racism has been present and current in our country and all over this world, but especially in our country for 400 years. And, and I think it has taken on different faces. It has taken on different names. It has taken on, you know, you know, different, it is, but the, the fight against that has taken on, it, it has, you know, has different movements and different moments, but it is the same. It is the same thing that is being fought. It is, it is the same struggle that is, 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 um, that, that, you know, black Americans and people of color and, and, um, and, you know, black people and people of color all over the world are fighting. And I think that it's, it's just really crazy how relevant, how even more relevant this season has become. Cause you know, I, it felt relevant to me when we were shooting it, but I'm like now, you know, rethinking about some of these scenes and, and some of the things that Allison says, you know, in her last conversation with, with Ray, she says, you have to stay because the fight, the fight, the fight is not over even in 2019. It's like, we didn't, they wrote that, a, they wrote that a year and a half ago. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I just hope that it is shedding, you know, just a brighter light on the fact that, you know, we just lost Congressman Lewis, who dedicated his life to the fight against injustice. So that is just further proof that that was not long ago. That was that was our grandparents and our parents' lifetime. And, and Ruby Bridges, who was the first black child to integrate an all-white school, just turned 65. So, you know, it's like these are not problems of the past. They are problems and struggles of today. And I just think that the show is is really just shedding a light on that and and hopefully on a, in a massive platform, which is, is really encouraging and inspiring. Yeah, I, I really couldn't be happier for you guys right now. And you should be so proud. It's not just I mean, I'm going to blab about this in my review. It's not just entertainment or at least it is. It's fun. It's exactly what I needed right now. But it's also got messages that far transcend the screen. And I must have listened to that note like 20 times <laughs> after I finished the season. I mean, thank you so much for your time today. Of course. Huge congratulations to anybody who has a single person in their life who's not watching Umbrella Academy. Make sure you (laughs) ask them, like, why? You're missing out. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Of course. Anytime. Congratulations again. This was wonderful. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. 
Did you know you could shop around for prescription prices? With GoodRx, you can find free coupons at over 70,000 pharmacies and save up to 80%. It's that easy. But don't just take my word for it. Dr. Adam says, I've been telling all my patients about GoodRx. Jacqueline says, my medication was $65 without insurance, but I paid $25. Aubriana says, you don't have to pay full price to live your best life. Couldn't have said it better myself. GoodRx is 100% free. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance.